Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the end gate this episode are... I'm Davey, and I like to think we're doing our part to pay the bone tithe when we go out for wing night. We're, <laughs> we're safe, right guys? Yeah. We're good? I think we're good. Okay, cool. I think we're good. I'm Paul, and uh, you know, one of the things that they didn't mention in this book that I thought was really cool about Catacros is he took over one of these underworlds where they live on the bottom side of the underworld. You know what they call themselves? The Yalziok Bound Rapers. Uh, and I'm Aaron, and oh, uh, I did no. come up with a lot of bone puns earlier, but not, none of them were particularly humorous. <laughs> but in this episode, we cover the lore of the Osiark Bone Reapers battle tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of bones, thugs, and hard armies. And if we have time after all that, we'll talk about the bone daddies. All right, fence. That's pretty good. Uh, that... The Bone Thugs and Harmony is Paul's thing, and I loved it. I loved it so very, very much. Um, how are you tonight, gentlemen? Absolutely great. Oh, good. I'm glad to see it. You, Delivered deadpan. I was going to say, you guys can't tell, but like, he does have a smile on his face, audience. Like, uh, I believe it. Um, it's concealed be- behind this mustache I've been cultivating. Sure. Um, it, it's amazing how like much of your face it covers, actually. <laughs> I'm also going to go with absolutely great. What? You can't. He just said that. I know, but I don't want. I don't feel the need to one up him. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. It's well, too then, easy. It's too easy, right? <laughs> I am terrified of being left out, so I too am absolutely great. Wow. Um, please, We're all on the same page. Please don't leave me behind. <laughs> I'm sure if Eric was here, he would also be absolutely great. Not exactly. Mm, well. <laughs> well. Uh, after that great event of his this past weekend, I'm sure he was absolutely great. Um, oh, nice, nice transition. Pl- Plunging spires. It was, it was a cool time. War cry. Um, tim, tim, tim. Yep, tim, 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 tim. <laughs> a Mortal Realms production. Uh, hey, what have you guys been up to lately? Tell me a story. Well, my latest hobby has been uh, working through assembling some of the war bands that have kind of fallen off on with uh, Underworlds. Um, and I provided my Cygor for that event. Which made me think that I need to actually. So I went through the process of kind of pulling out those models. I think the last time we talked about this, I, I mentioned it too. But um, uh, my brain got thinking about what kind of things I could do with the uh, with the Bray herds, beast beastmen, yeah, beast of chaos. It writes so. itself, basically. Yeah. So um, got a little spark there, and uh, and just on that underworld's grind, playing a lot of the the classic uh, Garrick's Reavers, <laughs> finding a lot of. They're actually pretty good, I An think. Oldie but a goodie. I know. What's what's old yeah. is new again. Sure. I don't know if I call them good. They're more chaotic. Uh, that's I, true. I mean, well, I mean, order doesn't mean good, so chaos doesn't mean bad necessarily. I, I do as much as I'm enjoying them, and because I was a crazy person, and back in the early days of Shadespire, I bought a second box set so I could play four player, which now is like totally unnecessary because I have so many, you know, from the expansions and stuff. But I have a second set of reavers models and i've been thinking of doing that thing where you paint them up as the inspired versions of themselves oh, yeah. that'd be sweet and that made me think that you could bring them to something and have like a display board that had like uh they're standing on terrain with a wall and then have it be able to rotate <laughs> and like like on a lazy susan comes around the other side and then there's the blood soaked side and that's their inspired side that would so be awesome be i would give them like super saiyan hair even though like i think a lot of them are bald um <laughs> I mean, but, the important guys have top knots. Okay. Targor, Garrick. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's more inspirational than that? Uh, I would make a Super Saiyan noise right now, but I don't want to wake up my kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paul, what have you been <laughs> up to? I, I I say that jokingly, but honestly, if there was anyone in your situation who mm-hmm. would get some stuff done, it would be you. So yeah. yeah, no, I actually bought basically 
all the terrain kits that GW has in production right now. Oh, snap. Strong uh, Aaron move. You know, yeah. Are you, are uh, I you, mean, are you stepping to me? Like, you want to go? <laughs> well, part of it was your fault. So you were to blame. I get that a lot. Yeah. Um, Just say you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so I now have assembled four more Warcry full tables, basically. Oh, geez, Louise. Dang. Where were you this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I was working. Oh. <laughs> my my actual real it's one day a week job. Yeah. yeah. So I've had a lot of fun putting together all the little kits, the, um, the buildings, the temple, uh, even some of the mausoleum, and then... Just the little terrain bits that you scatter around as well. Sure. So I've been having a lot of fun looking at those, putting them together, taking mold lines off of them. I, li- I like that you led with looking at them. Like that's the, that's the first <laughs> thing that comes to mind to enjoy something. Yeah, and I'm just it absorbing it. Yeah, it's yeah. totally. And and the thing I really enjoy about them is that they are super resilient. I, I guess with the old GW stuff, it was a lot thicker and a lot heavier. Hmm. But it didn't go together as well, so I felt like it was a little no, fragile. It did not. But with this newer stuff, it's a little bit lighter, but it goes together super well. Mm-hmm. So I'm confident enough to let my kids play with them. So they have Ooh. the the Stormcast army, all the Stormcasts that I have collected throughout the years that I never intended to use in an army. Yeah. I have now given to them to play with, and so they've been arranging the terrain and throwing stuff on it, and so they've been having a great time. So. I, I won't even let my kids look at this stuff and let alone uh, play with it. I mean, they've been touching it. They've been sh- moving it, pushing it off, off the table. Oh, I mean, God. like, this is like your personal. You're yeah. Driving me crazy. Sorry. <laughs> In fact, yeah, if you could leave, that would be <laughs> ideal. You can hang out. Um, Door closes. Dot gifts. Slam. <laughs> Uh, what have I been working on? I think, honestly, the same thing that I said last time. I was filing Warcry terrain as well. Um, it's funny. The last time we did a hobby, actually, we we did a hobby hangout recently, yeah. which we haven't gotten a chance to do in a while. Just on the on the um, Skype, which we should do with the sure. listener base. In fact, what are you guys doing right now? Do you want to? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Enough with this. Um, but my prediction was like, hey, Aaron, I can't see what you're doing. Is it filing mold lines? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's forty percent of his hobby. I can't tell if it's my least favorite thing to do or if painting. No, it must not be painting because I do file and I don't paint. So like I suppose it's my second least favorite thing to do. Yeah. But so you, you gotta do what you gotta do. You, do you use the GW mold line removal? No, I just use a knife actually. Okay. Which is odd because I had to buy the mold line removal tool to realize how much I liked the knife. Um that oh. actually it turned me off. Or yeah. I mean it's fine. I mean I own Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Tool didn't light my fire, but I was just wondering if you could do it kind of nonchalantly because it wasn't sharp. But if you're Paul, using knife- I don't do anything nonchalantly. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it's good for like long straight lines. Like I, I like the tool for it. And oh, I would, yeah. I'm, in fact, I'll switch and I'll, I'll mm-hmm. take it out. But for any like nitpicky stuff, I, I get the get the knife all up in there. I, I honestly just use the knife as well. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's kind of automatic for me. So sure. But- Though the one thing is you don't have to change the blade on the tool. But then again, I don't change it on a knife either. I was what? About to say. <laughs> Oh man, what a life! Um, so yeah, the Dominion Sigmar stuff is what I want to do. I did just buy the one with the throne because you can't get that throne anywhere else. I had to buy the throne piece, right? Yep. Of course. Um, rules are rules. So yeah, yeah. I don't make them. Um, so you kind of do, but you should, still have to follow them. Not this version of me, anyways. <laughs> uh, but that's in the mail. It'll be here one day, and we'll fire that up. Nice. Yeah, that's about that's about it. Cool. Uh, we've talked about how we're doing. We talked about all the things we've been up to, the awesome, cool things that we've been up to. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the meat of this. Wait, oh wait, no, wait. There is you no can't meat. even. No, but we'll, let's get to the story phase. 
Uh, right. We'll get to the marrow. Oh, that's the even story better. Phase. Yeah. Uh, let's do it right now. The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. Guys, I'm already having way more fun than when we do this remotely, just so you know. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, we don't have a little story blurb because this is a battle tome about the Bone Reapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, how scary is that? Um, all right. So, it's a, guys, it's a brand new race. We haven't had one of these in a while. Nope. What do we think? I mean, it, it depends on how you define it, but Deepkin maybe was the last one? Sure. Is that something right? Haunt? Yeah. I think Night Haunt is along the same vein because we had the Reaper. And the Night Haunt range was designed to go with the Reaper, and we had the Morgas. Mm-hmm. And Fair, the, there's that anchor. Yeah. And the Mortarks, and these were designed to look with them. Touche. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's fair. I would yep. go with that. I don't want to continue this line of thinking, but does that mean then, like, the Gits, though, also apply? Because they had to, whatever. I don't care. We're done. Um, yeah. So, uh, almost. No, because those are resculpts of existing models. Oh, fair. Um, so, almost a brand new uh, race, or as close to a new race as one can one can get. What an exciting time. What a time to be alive. Super exciting time. I, I, you look I mean, super exciting. Or not alive. <laughs> well, yeah. touche. As long as you don't have a bone tithe near you, I think we're doing pretty good. Oh, guys, I didn't you tell you. a bone tithe near you? Did I not tell you that, that how you get, that's how you get in here is you're going to actually have to yeah. give me a bone. So that's <laughs> why Eric's not here. <laughs> rendered true. him down. <laughs> but my good friend gave her a toe. <laughs> um, he had the best Bones, thank you. I get anyway. Let's. Okay. Toe? I can get you a toe. <laughs> Probably really easy. Um, no hey, all right. Possible. So brand new. So this. I mean, folks may not know who we're even talking about. What's their deal? What's their story? What is this new race? And I'm gonna. This is gonna be a new reoccurring thing for me now. I think I've I've touched on it before, but we're gonna we're gonna do it again. I want you guys to give me your best one sentence off the cuff because I didn't. We did not prepare for this. One sentence description of the. Uh, Ossiarch, 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 Bone Reapers. Okay, see, now we're gonna lose a lot of our audience yeah. when you do that. Um, <laughs> give me, give me, and because of that you pay the pay the joke tithe and give me a one sentence description <laughs> of these dudes. These guys are girls. All right. Probably. So this race is basically a race of bone golems that are constructed by bone shaper magicians who allow them to exist and to have life and being through these gems that give them animus and power. And when they are killed, they can collect these gems and make more of them. I don't think I heard a period in there. So, okay, yes, you did it in one sentence. Good job. David, give me your best shot. It is a race of undead beings that have custom bodies made of bone and custom souls made of mixed up souls blended souls all twisted together um i lied mine isn't off the cuff because i wrote it i wrote this is i I wanted to focus on this part it is an elite fighting force of autonomous warriors made of magically constructed bone in the service of nagash so you're saying they're gi toe (laughs) no uh yeah i that is exactly what i was saying How how could you read between the lines like you did so well um, so there's guys, there's, there's a lot of angles. There's a lot of, uh, facets to this, to this army. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a lot is a, is a big word, but some multiple, at least, um, what are some components of this army that jumped out at you? I'll, I'll start for an example. Um, I like the fact that what we're dealing with are forces, forces of dead, but they're autonomous. They make it a point to call out the fact that these, these folks aren't the mindless, 
sort of drones that are summoned, the, those shambling skeletons or zombies that necromancers raise, but rather they have autonomy, I'm going to use the word again, uh, uh, some semblance of free will, maybe not completely, um, but they are able to enact sort of their orders on their own gumption. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's different than what we've seen in a lot of other death factions. And so that's something that was interesting to me. Spoiler alert. It's one of my favorite things about them. Mm-hmm. Like when you create an army, you want to be able to imbue it with your own character, you know, have, uh, it, you know, if, when you're, when you're assembling your models, think of the backstory and all that sort of thing. We're a, we're a narrative podcast, right? So like, that's like, what we keep that, telling that's ourselves. It, yeah. If we say it often enough. Um, but if you, if that's something you value, then that's great for these guys instead of it being, you know, okay, 98% of this army that I run, you know, if it's, you know, if it's 40K, if it's Tyranids or uh, AOS, if it's, um, you know, uh, in the Death Rattle or, or whatever the case may be where where most of the army has no ability to have its own character, uh, that's kind of a bummer. And these guys don't have that. So that's pretty fun. You can you can imagine them having personality, you know, no matter at what level. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, anything similar to that jump out at you guys? Uh, what really jumped out to me is that they are created by these artisans and these artisans are not a god so this is a race that is created and formed from the soldiers themselves from the army itself so they're able to create their own identity and these artists are able to create whatever functional form that they want to there is some freedom there and that actually Makes me enjoy the identity of the army quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a new, new facet for death as well. Mm-hmm. Another thing is is that they are sort of, and I said it in my little blurb, but uh, elite warriors. You also don't get that a lot um, from the death side of things, which is to say that they are uh, capable fighters um, and not necessarily uh, cast as a sort of horde army that shambling, mindless, you know, just overwhelming numbers, but rather they. Um, are you know handy with a blade and then it's not just mindless hack and slash but rather that they're they are weapons um not smiths but um masters yeah weapon masters exactly um and along uh, and not just weapon masters or anybody if they have a catapult they're they're you know snipers and their their cavalry is you know um peerless i guess at least maybe in shyish so because of that it also sort of turns what we know about death on its head because you, you don't get that a lot, um, with, at least on the lower echelons. I mean, your vampires, I guess, could be, but we don't really see much of them anymore. So sure, uh, this really stands out. Yeah. Um, and I think they've also been cast as sort of a counterpoint to uh, Stormcast, mm-hmm. right? Like that comes up a bunch there, mm-hmm. forged out of, uh, it, uh, you know, different, but similar in the sense that it takes souls and merges them together um stormcaster is the one soul but it, it is uh using souls as a raw material basically yeah uh and then creating sort of a super warrior out of that and so that's that's a <clears throat> that's an interesting uh sort of dichotomy to have existing in the in the mortal realms and that is one of like prime conflicts between uh the order grand alliance and the death grand alliance is this soul wars that sure. we've been we've uh been in for a little while um so i i enjoyed kind of where it sort of fleshed that out a bit and it gave it a nice point counterpoint. Actually very little flesh though. I mean, to <laughs> yeah, point taken. Um, I feel like there's also, <laughs> there's also a comparison to be made with the Varengard though, as well in our Because so we've got these, uh, the Varengard are these huge, uh, mounted warriors and we have these Liege Cavalos 
that are also, again, these huge mounted warriors. Um, we have more of the ever chosen, as it were, right? Like, I think we're going to maybe see some mirroring of this army in chaos as well, which to me is a really fun idea to have these pinnacle armies of order with the storm cast of death with the Osiarchs and with chaos with the, the ever chosen, right? And destruction um, with the gits. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. The gits. I mean, they are the pinnacle of <laughs> destruction. Sure. Spider rider specifically. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got the gigantic spider, which totally makes sense of the cavalry. And then, yeah. I get you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think we've, pointed out, I guess, some of these new facets and these new perspectives on death that like we haven't necessarily uh, seen before. So, this is what they are. Um, and I think maybe we've alluded to it here and there, but, but I guess, w- what do they do? Like, what motivates their actions besides killing fools left and right? Because that's what everybody does. But um, what what are they after? What are their what are their goals? Does anybody have any thoughts? Well, the the main narrative hook that's in the book uh, that is plays into their army terrain as well is this idea of a bone tithe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a bone tithe is a tax that is weighed upon you by me. Yes. By everyone, basically Gosh. by the Osiarch bone reapers. They show up and say, Hey, we, we won't kill you. If you just give us a certain percentage of bone mm. every season, we'll come back and we'll collect it. We'll erect this beautiful plinth to remind you of how great we are. And if you put the bone there, everything is great. And if you don't, you're going to die. And that's their main story hook of how they have a motivation for this army and how they move forward. Sure. What, and wh- tell me, why do they want the bones? They use the bone as the raw material to shape more warriors, right? Sure. So it, it is basically a factory where the resource is bones. The actual factory itself are these artisans that shape them into the warriors and then they go out and fight. Their product is warriors. Man. Well, and it's not just warriors, right? Like, mm-hmm. so as a, they're kind of creating this greater realm of death, basically. Like the idea is to, uh, to perform Nagash's grand vision of like a, a world of total unchanging, you know, death, uh, necrotopia. I say, if you were to name it, what would you yeah, call it? Yeah, necrotopia, a- aka like something that sounds like a weird fruit juice flavor or something <laughs> like that. Like, uh, but uh, oh, this tastes like death. Yeah. It's pretty good though. You call it necrotopia. <laughs> Full of antioxidants. <laughs> um, but uh, they it, it talks about you know as a as a collect bone they'll create uh, an outpost and it starts as like a purely military installation and then they start having like you know uh, civic institutions so like you know bone city hall or whatever and then uh aesthetic things and it normally city hall bones you though right um so it's not just continuing the uh continuing the armies but uh uh, creating this necrotopia by by actually building cities out of the out of the bone as well yeah and so they're they're expanding and so like what you you as a city think, right, well, I guess I'm just giving these this, this nominal bone, but, like, you're just making them stronger and stronger to the point where they're going to, like, conquer your area. Um, anyways, and I love the idea of, like, them being the sort of tax collectors because this isn't the first time we've referenced Nagash as, like, a boring an accountant kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, so what better way to sort of, you know, enact his will on the world? He's like, no, it's, it's all numbers. It's all spreadsheets. It's all uh, mm-hmm. give me my, my allotted percentage. 
Um, I think we should call it what it is. The yeah. urbanization of the realm of death. <laughs> oh, goodness. Boo. Oh, come on. <laughs> it, it, it actually does work because it is urbanization, right? It is civilization coming out, taking over, setting out an outpost, making these roads. They taking make roads out of bone. Uh, they are taking over everything and they are forming this complex tax system. They're forming this complex uh, delivery system. You thought gentrification was bad. No, urbanization is even worse. Urbanization. Oh, goodness. Uh, Um, But that's actually a really interesting facet of this battle tome is that they're not just warriors. They're not just this force that goes out and kills everything. Uh, Their main motivation is to gain more of the resource. And if they kill everything, they have a ton of the resource momentarily. But long term, it's not great because they run out of the resource because they've killed all their supply. Mm. Um, And the other interesting thing is they are really about building an empire. And when they have finished using bone to make more warriors, then they use bone to make these gorgeous edifices and fortresses and just like cities. Terrain you'll never be able to buy. Oh, man, it's so beautiful. (laughs) It's so pretty. And it's all over the battle tome and you can't buy it. Anyway, uh, so that's I mean, a really with interesting... With another money, you could buy anything. Like, you, <laughs> you, you could roll up to Warhammer World. You and realize Aaron's about to like fly over there, like knock on the door and sure. be like, you understand, my rules say I have to have this. <laughs> hey, yo, Johnson, <laughs> hook a dude up. Anyway. So it, it is really the creation, the expansion of an empire of civilization. And it is an interesting counterpoint to Nagash's desire to have a whole realm of death where everything is monotonous and controlled but in this incredible world-spanning civilization-building way because it is the normalization of the Ossiarchs throughout the realm of death which is interesting because the realm of death itself is so varied because each underworld is just whatever somebody believed their underworld was going to be. You know, we this isn't the first time we've heard Nagash talk about how he wants to make the world, you know, death and sort of uniform and organized and, you know, antithetical to sort of chaos, sort of generally. Very like, the definitive ordered. of order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, like, I guess I never really understood what that meant or had no concept of it because – think before these bone reapers existed what is it a bunch of ghosts flying around and like skeletons sort of yeah much? like a bunch of things that don't have their own sort of animating force yeah you know? yeah so like it, it seemed sort of like he had this concept but he didn't have a way to like get it where like this sort of fills in that blank a little bit does, this book. Yeah. like this is this is the method by which he accomplishes um that goal the yeah. method of his madness yeah well i don't know if he's mad i would say he's he's spot on he's laser sharp that dude he seems pretty angry um well that doesn't mean you can't well literal madness then okay fine okay fine um speaking of nagash let's maybe let's let's rewind it let's start at the very beginning um how did these dudes or dudettes uh even appear like how how did they start like where did where did this even come from this is a super interesting uh origin story i'll be prove it that yeah so in the age of myth uh sigmar woke nagash from his slumber um trapped in time or you know whatever lost moments whatever the cool thing was and uh was he under a mountain at one point or is that somebody else he was definitely under a mountain at one point cool i don't know if he was under the mountain at this point or at a different point sure but there was definitely a mountain on top of him okay sorry sorry i didn't mean to break your no it's fine uh nagash claims dominion over the entirety of shyish as you'd imagine he would Mm -hmm. um 
uh, we actually get a few little tidbits in this book of like what Shyash looked like before the arrival of Nagash. And we, we know some of this stuff already, you know, it's a, it was this uh, place where it's all the underworlds that, that could exist. You know, any underworld that anybody imagines exists basically ish. Right. Like I think, I think it may, it may, it may need like a certain quantity of people to believe in it or something for it to, for it to exist. But uh, he arrives and um, predating Stormcast, you know, where I talked earlier in this episode about the the Bone Reapers versus Stormcast dichotomy, he starts designing this idea of Bone Reapers, and he starts designing them like Nagash is like a long game planner sort of sort of guy. So he starts designing these and hiding them away, um, which uh, I he there's some of them that he realizes like, hey, this is going to totally freak out the rest of the the pantheon. So this is why I'm going to hide them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this. It's an interest. This is, I feel like, one of the well, not the first time because uh, they'll they'll introduce factions into Age of Sigmar, and it requires a little bit of retconning, uh, but it doesn't feel like very much. And I think it's because the realms are so big and the beings involved are so big. Like there's there's these uh, you know we've talked about how there's there's room for so much hidden stuff in the realms, but you know there's there's room for actions and motivations and things that gods could have done uh you know they're so powerful they could have done these things that are not noticed and they can conceal them and so this feels better as a retcon to me um than back in warhammer fantasy when it was like oh hey guess what uh demigriffs we're just hiding you know yeah yeah exactly everybody's classic example right Mm -hmm. um uh so it doesn't it's not as jarring this felt closer to that than some of the other things they've done in the past but uh, it, it worked for me as like, okay, that, you know, I, I buy it. Yeah, like he's, he's scheming. He's well, well, and he's pretty uniquely equipped to do so, right? Cause he was one of the folks who was actually helping Sigmar create mm-hmm. the cities as we sort of talked about, you know, in our previous episodes. Um, and it was, I don't know if it, this is the first time it's been brought up or one of the first times where we talk about how like the, like the skeletons, like the undead themselves were helping raise up these cities. And mm-hmm. oh, coincidentally, they're also digging, digging like catacombs underneath them where we're hiding these armies. Um, but like, there's no reason why they couldn't, happen like mm-hmm. i mean to, to davy's point um uh, definitely feasible especially knowing like the scope at which nagash sort of does his plans mm-hmm. i buy i buy it as well well and i hate to bring up the same old trope again but we have this unreliable no, you, don't. you love it. spiders <laughs> no this unreliable narrator going on right in the <laughs> old world one, yep. we have a very reliable narrator everybody knows what's going on because every faction is telling you exactly what's going on until the present moment constantly so when you try and fill it in, you have to go back and say, well, no, no, what we knew was the truth then wasn't the truth now. It's still the same time, it's still the same people, but there's this new thing that's in there. With Age of Sigmar, it's not the same, right? Sigmar is going to tell us a different story than Nagash is going to tell us, than anybody else is going to tell us, right? Like, Alariel is going to have her own story. And it allows these different iterations, these secrets... To exist, secret, with, secret. exactly, without clashing with the identity of the main narrative that's going on or the main forces as well, right? They are so big, so vast. The storm vaults are a great example of. Well, those make sense in this context. Of course, there would be some huge, you know, vaults that would be storing unknown treasures. Also, a very similar beat to this, like in terms of like you know hiding stuff under cities. In fact, like. Um, 
like, uh, Sigmar's like, wait a sec, man, you've been hiding armies under my cities? And Nagash is like, ah, 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 you, but you were hiding. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, w- I will say the only thing that, um, I feel like sort of bucks your, your unreliable narrator sort mm-hmm. of thing is like, if there was a book written, uh, more like a history book than this one, <laughs> as far as, as far as battle tomes, like, I don't remember it like this. Yeah. This is very much written as a, then this happened, then this happened. There, there are not a lot of moments in this battle tome where they write, and nobody's sure. You know, there's a few of them, and mm-hmm. we'll we'll probably bring some of them up as we go. But uh, but it reads very very historical. It reads uh, very much to me like a uh, Warhammer Fantasy army book. Hmm. That's uh, fair. Yeah. In fact, I think oftentimes when people not people books that we read battle tomes specifically talk about the time of Age of Myth, Age of Myth, you do get a lot of the well, we don't know, really know where the bad moon came from or something like sure. that but mm-hmm. but this is sort of is the opposite of that like yeah. it is I, very definitive i remember reading the the zench battle tome when that came out and it, was, it said you know there's rumors that zinch knows where slanesh is hidden or that he was uh, instrumental in the slanesh getting captured but we're not sure you know like mm-hmm. there it, it would kind of throw out these threads and it wouldn't say it wouldn't say like zinch did this and that got slanesh captured you know so yeah. like mm-hmm. there, there are a lot more threads to pull on and kind of uh, really let your imagination run wild, and I didn't find that as much here. Not to go off topic, but I forget was he instrumental in that? It's it's been so again. It's it's still ambiguous, mm-hmm. but certainly in the Zinch battle tome, yeah, it is it is implied that yeah he uh, that that Zinch should Zinch is probably an id or whatever, but that Zinch uh, provided the information or something subtly to to. Um, create the circumstances for Slanish's capture cool so i mean if, if we're hanging out in the age of myth we, we let's let's spend some spend some time there so um we talked about how nagash got got freed uh he and sigmar raising cities up left and right building secret armies he ends up calling like he ends up using the tribes of shaish to make like uh these these bone reapers um so like he, he's he's calling on the resources of shaish I, I feel like he's still sort of learning how he's creating these bone reapers um and he's making use of, um, like a bunch of necromancers in the area, and they become sort of the spellcasters of the of the bone reapers. Um, he calls on uh, Archon the Black, um, and makes use of his his death rattle armies, and that's where he's getting a lot of the um the raw materials for his bone reapers. And so, like this is this is a, like a time of like great I don't want to say great expansion, but like he's really getting a lot of production out of mm-hmm. out of this uh, area, I guess, secretively, which is uh, quite an accomplishment when you are literally dealing with other gods. So mm-hmm. that's pretty yeah. impressive. Well, and I think what it, the battle tone made clear is that this is another grand plan that was happening in tandem with the Great Black Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can have two plans at once. I know that's that a lot. So cool. Genius. And they did actually state that we'll get to it in the background of one of the the main legions further on. But one of the main legions was actually stationed on that outer edge of the realm, protecting the skeletons that were bringing back this this grave sand. Yeah. Uh, so they were active, but hidden. Yeah. Um, so even though they weren't under cities, they were in a place where nobody could actually reach them. Uh, so they are active, but hidden in this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out it's not just the golden days of creating armies in secret. They don't mm-hmm. last forever. Um, eventually, uh, chaos comes knocking. Mm-hmm. And uh, we transition to everyone's favorite age. At everyone's favorite age, the age of chaos, 
Uh, and this is where Nagash maybe has to put some of his plans on hold, on pause, perhaps, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and has to sort of fight for his life or unlife uh, in the realm of Shaiish um, as uh, all, basically all hell sort of breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, Archeon comes knocking on his door. There's a big fight there. Uh, he gets punched in the face. He has to go run and hide, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if I understand correctly, his 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 secret armies really don't come to his aid at this point. It's basically his traditional, I'll say, quote unquote, legions and Nagash type armies mm-hmm. that are sort of at his disposal as Mortarks, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, there's there there's a central figure that is coming right to the fore um, and becomes part of this main narrative here. There's a whole background behind him, um, but that figure's name is Catacros. Um, and Catacros is at this very uh, important battle where Sigmar comes knocking to Nagash and is like, all right, Nagash, we got this pact, all right? We said we were going to defend the realms. And Nagash is like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah totally, uh, uh, totally behind you, but um, I'm only defending my realm. Right, I'm only defending Shayesh. I'm not going to go help you go he, out. He doesn't even say that. He just yeah. he does that. Yeah, like he, you know. And so Sigmar comes and fights Catacros, who is the main uh, general for the battle for this force. And Sigmar manages to destroy him, but not completely. And his spirit is put into a storm vault and hidden away unbeknownst to Nagash. And so this Catacross figure is like the pinnacle of the army, and really a lot of this story is based around him. Yeah. So I think it might behoove us to talk a little bit about where he came from and what his motivations are. Is now the time to, to do so? All right, keep going. Well, then keep going. Ride that train. Uh, so Catacross was right, a living uh, general. Woo-hoo. He was someone who wanted to excel at war, to the exception of everything else in his life. Don't um, we all? Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, we want to, I mean, we want to win tournaments. We want to do all that. I don't know if we want to excel at war, but you know. Whatever. Same thing. One and the same. One and the same. All right. War Fair. gaming. Mm. <laughs> so. War, comma, gaming. <laughs> he becomes uh, this great general, excelling through the ranks. Um, nobody really likes him, but they can recognize his talent. Game recognized game. He starts to build up these new creations to allow him to become this amazing general. And it's just going from town to town, conquering everything, becoming this like glorious hero of the empire, as it were. He is in Fleisch, I believe, Flights. Yeah, he's in Gur, right? Yeah, he's yeah. in the realm of Gur in uh, the the kingdom of Flights, I believe. Something it's called. like that, yeah. And uh, he comes upon this pivotal battle where he's fighting against beastmen and he's riding in this chariot. So kind of a Tomb Kings esque this flight of chariots is coming Tomb for Kings, this grand big grand big battle. And it it's an interesting story because the great general outruns the rest of his army and makes a critical tactical mistake and ends up facing this rampaging Gorgon face to face. Yeah. And is killed. Just stabs it in the heart first. Yep. Gorgon's going to Gorgon. Yeah. And they, uh, he got chomped. And that's where his story ends. That's the end <laughs> of it. All right, cool. Moving on. No, so he ends up in Shayesh in the afterlife. Uh, so there are two different afterlifes in here. There is Osea, mm-hmm. um, which is 
all about hard work, basically. Yeah. It's an afterlife dedicated to very, working hard. My very nightmare. <laughs> Uh, but his civilization also believes in another underworld, which happens to be just next door. Necros. There's Doesn't another, sound very fun, but... Yeah. There's an afterlife of Necros, which is another afterlife that his civilization begin, believes in. And they are just, like, sipping wine and honey and eating grapes and living the life. That's my jam. Yeah, well, Aaron's just, like, shaking his head and being like, oh, I want that right now. Living the unlife, I guess. Yeah. But. Uh, so... There is this interesting discussion where we actually have an afterlife very fully fleshed out here. Um, and it, it kind of colors the civilization that came before it. But we're following the life then unlife of this catacros. Mm. Um, so as Nagash starts taking over the underworlds, catacros starts taking over necros. Yeah, this, this is, we're Age of Myth right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which interesting, there were, Gorgons bopping around in the Age of Myth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So. so I'm trying to harken back to the Beastmen book. Like, was it all, like Beastmen are always existed? Beastmen yeah. are always existed. Yeah. Before humans were there, Beastmen were there. Sure. Is, is that what you're getting at? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, so before the before the you know Frank arrival of chaos, yeah. I, th- I think we've established that Age of Myth chaos was present. Mm-hmm. They just weren't going buck wild. Yet, sure. So. Yeah, yeah. So. Catacros takes over Necros and forms this massive empire. And right, Nagash's, further protection. Yeah. yeah, I mean they need me. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Sacrifice true. your freedoms for some. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve neither. Allegory. All right. <laughs> and uh, Nagash comes knocking. Well, not Nagash himself, but his forces. And Catacros is such a cunning general that he manages to forestall them for an entire month, which. For Nagash, it's big enough for him to be like, hey, I need to go come figure out who right. this guy is. The line was something like, you know, he did so well that he caught Nagash's attention, and that was the end of that. You know? <laughs> well, and I love the idea that for, like, this timeless, infinite being, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait a month for this nonsense. Like, I'm going to clear this up right now. <laughs> yeah. And so he invites Catacros to come talk to him. And Catacros is like, I, I, I can't win this, right? Like, he's the world's, you know, the realm's most cunning general, but... Okay, I take back what I said before. This is game recognized game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he walks up to Nagash and he's like, Yo, Nagash, let me command your armies and you can have whatever you want. And Nagash is like, Anything you want. All right, this sounds great. So Nagash sends him off to his bone shapers and they remake him into this 12 foot tall demigod. And uh, he's, he's packing. He is packing heat. Yeah. Yeah. And. There we have the beginning of what we know as the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, because Catacros becomes the pinnacle of the Bone Reapers and starts gathering this army about him. So he starts taking over the rest of the realm of Shayesh. Gotcha. He starts getting the Liege Cavalos and like all this kind of stuff going on. So now Catacros becomes the Mortark of the Necropolis, and he starts gathering this force about him, and... This is a new, stronger force uh, because they are these bone reapers. They are these multiple bodies of bone melded into fighters with gems inside of them that contain souls that allow them to have these independent um, thoughts and, and, and actions. And speaking of independent thoughts, uh, at this point, he's like, you know what? Like, I can't 
you know, it's one thing to be the general. I need field commanders. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go find the souls of the guys who worked for me Mm -hmm. when they were alive in Gur. I'm going to rip them out of the whatever cool underworlds they're in. And rather than just be like, hey, you can just be you. I'm going to blend them all up together. uh, Just, you know, like really commit Mm -hmm. to this whole bone reaper thing. Yep. And then uh, I might have my field generals Mm -hmm. made out of these guys, uh, which is pretty cold which yes. is what this guy is all about well but. there is one exception one of his generals is allowed to survive whole sold as it were mm-hmm. uh, but everyone else is becomes part of this army and as he has this unstoppable force as it were he starts just conquering all of shyish in nagash's name right in nagash's name exactly yeah. they make these bone roads where they can travel along and they make these necropolises. Even, even crazier, not just bone roads, but bone bridges. From, yeah, from, from continent to continent, like yeah. continent yeah. spanning um, or ocean spanning, I should mm-hmm. say. And it's uh, like bridges. It, it talks about how like other civilizations be like, whoa, these bridges are so wild, man. You're so, this is so amazing. And, and they're like, hey, NBD, like, this is just what we do. Sure. Yeah. Like, we're here. I want to get yeah. there. And I got yeah. a lot of bones. Like, yeah. it, it just yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Why, what else would I do? Sure. Yeah. So he just starts spreading out from the prime innerlands. So what is not kind of talked about in this book, but what seems to be coming to the fore is that Nagash has conquered the realm of death, but through Catacros, not through Nagash personally, which is a new f- kind of spin on the narrative that we've had. Because it talks about how Nagash has consumed these underworlds. Sure. But it is through the force and the action of Catacros that they have been conquered and allow him to take them over. You're right. It does fill in something that we knew to be true, but I guess we, we knew the what, but we didn't know the how. the how. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, which just is surprising that like it was one of those things that I didn't realize I didn't know until like this book sort of shares it with you. That's, and, yeah, that's interesting. And as he conquers more and more area he gains more and more different kinds of warriors he conquers this land of equus i believe it's called uh and gains these in you know incredible horse troops uh, Mm -hmm. that he adds to his army he has a study uh that he sits and thinks about um me too and he comes up with the idea of the mortar mortec crawlers which are these mobile catapults uh just he gains all of this knowledge of warfare and um how to use his troops most effectively and because they are semi-sentient he can send them to a place and be like i want you to do this thing i'll be back in 100 years i expect it to be done right and if they fail he takes those souls rips them apart and transfers them into other units right so he's this worse units oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. This talks about there's no way to go up no. in the ranks. Yeah. There's only ways to go down in the ranks of the Bone Reapers. Yeah. I think there's one also story in the mortal realms where a general fails and he becomes the main animus for one of the stallions that the cavalry yeah. <laughs> is riding. Yeah. So, well, and, and they make it a point to point out that, like, like when they do this process, like you're still aware of what's going on. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, and you're raging inside this, like, yeah. What ends up being a pretty pissed horse. Um, well, <laughs> oh. yeah. But I mean, it, it even talks about uh, like him putting his uh, generals from Gur into different legions. And it talks about like, and there's a tiny screaming part of this one guy's like, oh, rough. You know, like, <laughs> but then another one is uh, appears to not be as perturbed about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So um, when you're, when your essence is split among all sorts of things, like, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty bummer, man. Yeah. Uh, but if you also describes podcasting, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
if you've seen the miniature, um, the interesting thing about this figure is that which one? The Catacross miniature. Okay. Um, he is not this just imposing demigod that goes around rampaging, doing all kinds of things. He really is this battlefield commander where he has bodyguards and he has hangers on and he has this presence almost like he seems very much like an Age of Signar Napoleon or some type of like 17th century commander. Yeah. Sidebar, one of my favorite kinds of models are these that are not like like sprinting forward or swinging mm-hmm. their sword or something like that. Like it just makes the world feel lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you were talking about like picking up the um, – character and overlords warband for and there's a guy like reloading his yes his minigun like that little kind of detail like it makes the world feel more alive to me so a, mm-hmm. a figure like catacross where he's standing there's someone reading a scroll to him and somebody who's like writing something down like that that is i love that and that just makes it feel so more so much more alive to me mm-hmm. especially because you know in our world like it's not you know, the commanders are not running at the front of the, you know, firing bullets and stuff like that. They're, they're at the back making plans. Mm-hmm. And I buy that more when I see that in a commander model. Yeah. So. Like he's not even like wielding his weapons, really. He's just sort of leaning on them and just hanging <laughs> yeah. out. Um, so he basically conquers the majority of Shayesh. And this is the time when Sigmar comes knocking and is like, you've betrayed me, Nagash. And I'm going to make you pay. And so he comes to fight Catacross, and Catacross is like, "I'll just, uh, I'll send my hangers on after you. I, I, I I'm not going to have to deal with you." And Sigmar is just like, "Uh, no, you're going to have to face me face to face." And he's like, "Fine." Picks up his knife. He's like, "All right, fine. I'll actually have to kill you myself." And Sigmar is like, "Uh, no." Galmar asks to the face, and he destroys him utterly. But his essence, his soul, cannot be destroyed, and so that's where he becomes buried in this storm vault, and. Nagash, of course, was not there present when this happened. And so Nagash thinks that he's gone. So now he has these Asiarch Bond Reapers, but they have no leader. And Nagash does not trust anyone else to lead them. Mm-mm. So he's buried under cities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or hanging out in Shayish, anyways. And that, uh, that like, continues the idea of Nagash being, you know, really patient, really smart, but also really paranoid. Like, mm-hmm. I have this super elite fighting force and there was someone i trusted to run it i don't have that person anymore and so let's get like let's bury that until i feel cool about it again Mm -hmm. just it's never happened just like bury it It, i'm not gonna talk about it with anybody like it's just it's gonna go away it'll be fine tangentially related you know how nagash is always raging against the idea that like sigmar has been stealing his souls and that really bums him out and so like i understand up until this point like why that was the case i mean like Knowing what I've known up until this point, that mm-hmm. that makes, but knowing now, like how much, like the souls are sort of integral to this like secret army he's mm-hmm. had, like it, it really lends itself to like explaining why he was sure. so so bent out of mm-hmm. shape about all these souls being souls being stealing, stolen stolen. Mm, mm-hmm. Learn to talk, dude. Um, <laughs> it's not just like oh, I wanted to turn them into ghosts, like mm-hmm. uh, knowing what I know about uh, Night Haunt, but no, like he literally needed to f- like funnel these into his fighting force, and they're getting snatched up left and right. Um, so, you sh- justified, I suppose, uh, on, on Nagash's uh And I think you side. knew this is going to come up at some point during this battle tome, but again, this goes to my whole idea, crazy as it may be, that Nagash is the lord of undeath, not the lord of death. Okay, here's the deal, Paul. I don't know if now's the time to bring it up. 
This book re- repeatedly refers to Nagash as the, the god of undeath more mm-hmm. than once, in fact. And I didn't want to say anything because I don't want to like admit that you were right. And I'm not sure like what does right even mean anymore. <laughs> what, what is what is right and what is wrong? Um, but and I don't even have the line in front of me. I made it a point not to like focus on it because I just really couldn't deal with my own shortcomings. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> There might be something to your theory about him being the god of undeath. Oh, man. And not death. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Well, that's the end of it. I will actually at this point. Can we point- Skype in Eric real quick? Like, can, we, can we get a good like 15 solid minutes of arguing well, about this? See, he was cooler about it because he was at least willing to accept the possibility of Paul being right. And I, I wouldn't go that far. Impossible. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capitulate a little bit here. Oh. Because he uh, starts out as the god of gross. undeath. But over the course of this book, it becomes very evident that he is now the god of death. Did we just switch sides? Not through his own action, but mm. through the action of Catacros. Mm. Because Catacros has claimed this for him, right? Did and we so just now- have a breakthrough? Are you guys best friends? <laughs> <laughs> yup. Did we just become best friends? Uh, and so now he has become the god of death because he owns all the power, right? He has drained all the 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 magic from the outside of the realm down to the inside of that realm to the nadir of Shia. She has conquered all of the inner prime lands among everything else. There can be no other god of death at this point because he has all the power. So while he starts out as the god of undeath and he steals souls from these people who have earned their rightful afterlife, right? Like from a very like elemental point of view he had now has consumed so many of them that there are more that belong to him than that belong to themselves left in shayish he's a hungry dude he's a yeah. grown boy um all right so i think that covers both our age of myth and our age of chaos mm-hmm. let's fast forward to the age of sigmar uh lightning bolts lightning bolts lightning bolts uh stormcast 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 <laughs> uh <laughs> smashing people in the face with hammers Corgus call ah Oh, yeah, run. Uh, there was a pyramid, but oh, no, it fell down. Um, Skaven. Skaven. Yeah, Skaven. Ah, Skaven. no. Um, but we can jump forward. So Nagash, uh, because because of the storm cast, fighting off the, the the forces of chaos a little bit, Nagash is able to get his footing back. And in fact, he maybe he, that those those lands that he's lost in Shia, she's able to reclaim a lot of them again, even without mm-hmm. the aid of his... Um, uh, OCR Bone Reapers, whether it's because he's got his giant pyramid, mm-hmm. Shia Shnadir... Uh, uh, Necroquake mm-hmm. um, what do they call it now the uh, something Optimar Arcanum Optimar mm-hmm. the spells all over the place he's got his um, can, uh, I, can I Nighthunt Detour Please. is that a term we already knew Arcanum Optimar uh, I think yes. I read it once or okay. twice before this right. specifically but it's relatively new it was never yeah. mentioned as part of like Soul Wars or anything I think they, sure. they introduced yep. it maybe after the fact or in Warhammer Life it might have been something that's been talked about by Phil okay. Kelly or this and I have not been paying as close attention of late, but this is the first time I had seen it. I th- maybe in like Forbidden Powers, maybe the first time yeah, I saw it. Sense. Yeah, sure. around that time. Um, so he, he's able to get gain some ground, and because of that, mm-hmm. um, and the Necroquake revealing yeah. the stone bots. This is all information we talked about before. We talked mm-hmm. about it in our Forbidden Power episode. Rewind. I don't know three or four episodes <laughs> back. Yep, do that. Um, <clears throat> but it's revealed that the Storm Vault under Lake Lake Lethus, the Midnight mm-hmm. Tomb. Uh, is found, and so he's able to send Lady Olinda and her night haunt forces uh, yeah. to crack that thing wide open. And she <laughs> does that 
also turning the Celestine Prime into dust or something. So that's pretty cool too. Um, but uh, the doors are thrown wide open, and mm-hmm. the Catacross's essence, his soul, the the sort of ethereal mm-hmm. component that he has been sort of reduced to, flies off into space. Uh, it goes into the Nadir and just like causes chaos. Sure, like, which is the exact opposite. Chaos is what they've been fighting this mm-hmm. whole time. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I love that. So Nagash understands that Catacross is trapped in the Midnight Tomb. He knows that it's him. He hears his voice and he's like, that's Catacross. Catacross is not gone, right? But he doesn't go and take him back. He sends Lady Olander, which is a super interesting, like, for a guy who's been super paranoid, to send one of his Mortarks to free another Mortark from the Midnight Tomb. And what is he doing at this point? Like, he he already effed up the Necroquake, right? Exactly. Yeah, so... Got nothing uh, else going on, or does he? Yeah, so that's you trying, are you implying three plans? That's impossible. The soul of Catacross is spinning why? around the Nadir, <laughs> and Nagash is able to tease him out and to rebuild him. Hey, you're being so silly, man. Get up, get up <laughs> in here, nerd. Hey, hey, I got your nose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Such a teaser, Nagash. And because of this, he is able to start having the confidence to rebuild this legion of the Osiarch. Bone Reapers. And, and I think some of them are still just hidden. Like, they're just buried. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's, a- he's able to g- generalize his forces. That's not the word. That's not the word at all. Lead his forces as general. Um, I was literally trying to figure out what you were saying. Yeah, and and, and, and recapture those lands that, that may still need to be recaptured in, in, in Shyesh. But that's not it. Like, now that he's ahead of his forces and, like, literally all of the, the OCR Bone Reapers are sort of a- able to be brought to bear on Nagash's enemies... Uh, Shyish is no longer enough. Um, and I, okay, maybe this is where you're going with it. Um, but like, th- they're maybe venturing off and, and heading off into different directions. Um, and venturing off into new, um, you might be angering other yeah, uh, realms. Um, so th- that's interesting. We'll talk about that when we get to the subfaction. But additionally, why stop at the realms and why not head straight into the, the eight points? Um, cause Catacross is gonna lead his, <laughs> oh, yeah, wild, right? Yeah, he's gonna yeah. lead his, um, whatever the word is, cased. Cast? Cast is probably the word. Um, cast. Cast. Uh, in, just gonna knock on Arcan's door, which is nuts to me. Knock, uh, knock, I'm, knock on Arcan's door. You're damn right. Um, and hey, so, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my, how many dollars is that? Yeah. That's a lot of dollars. Um, oh, so rich. It's yeah, totally worth it, though. Rich in dollars. But uh, it, it, it was just a throwaway line at the end of all this timeline stuff Um, to think that, like, oh that's a monumental location. Like that's mm-hmm. Nagash taking the fight. I guess one of the few times that Nagash actually has taken the fight too. Mm-hmm. I think I'll say chaos. I mean, he's been picking on wussy order folks all the yeah, time, like yep. left and right. But um, yeah, well, but that's an interesting point that we had talked about is that it's a throwaway line. And in this history of Catacross, there are not a lot of throwaway lines and it reads very much as a history book, as Davey was saying. So it's a really interesting and enticing detail at the end, to really kind of draw us into what else could be going on here. Yeah, and it's not just like, oh, some random group of Bone Reapers. Right? It's literally the dude is is rolling up on the eight points, like the, the, mm-hmm. the main the main ombre. Um, so, like, there's got to be something that comes from this. Like, I, to my mind, and I mean, maybe we'll talk about this later. I, for me, this is the most important part of the book, is the fact that, like, they're, they're making a, a, an attempt on the eight points. That's cool as heck. I'm into it. Um, Cool, that's... Instead of staves of sharpness, they might be fighting some slaves to darkness? Yes! 
uh, yeah, <laughs> intro of whatever that show is that I watch. Um, cool. <laughs> All right, so we have just described the history of the Bone Reapers. Basically, brought brought, brought us up to present day, right? Like mm-hmm. this is we're we're all the way caught up. Um, how neat is that? Uh, let's take a step back then. Um, so like let's they're waiting forward. I know we're taking let's a lot of forward. Back. We're taking two steps forward, one step back. But so that we're we're talking about how they're waging war, but I feel like we haven't really dove deep into like how they are structured and like what mm-hmm. this army is actually made of and how they operate um, beyond just sort of collecting bones, um, which is cool in and of itself. But uh, given that they are sort of this elite fighting force um, with a very clear hierarchy and a very clear chain of command, we can talk about sort of what the armies are composed of and, and, and who's doing the fighting for them. Given that it's a force of, of death, um, you better believe it's a very rigid pyramid scheme. Ooh, maybe it, it is in the form of, I don't even think about that. Mm. Um, I, I support that. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, so, like any good pyramid, Nagash is at the is at the very top. Um, he's at the top of all my pyramids, that's for sure. Uh, he's he's a very top down management style. Um, <laughs> off to the side is Arkan the Black, mainly just because he's he's our uh, Nagash's second in command, just all the time, like just period, no no matter what. Um, but then after that, we can get to our our Catacros guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the Mortark of the Necropolis. I don't know if we said it before, but I'm saying it again now. Um, and that means that he's the Lord Commander or whatever of um, all our Bone Reapers. We've we talked about these folks. Uh, we've covered them to death. What? Um, <laughs> we, let's move on because below them, um, it's a series of it's it's caste systems, right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? So yeah. b- below them is a series of castes, um, sort of grouping the different you know like forces uh, together, and so. Uh, Sort of when it comes to there's the leadership side of things, there's basically mm-hmm. like two castes: the Emissarian caste, which is a religious order dedicated to the glorification of Nagash, as all religious orders ought to, <laughs> um, and the Panoptic caste, which is basically the overseers of like the war legions. So you got your uh, emissaries, which for the most part are like the um, sole managers, um, and then the Panoptic caste, which is basically <laughs> your, your your war war leaders. Um, yeah, middle that's management. A cool call. I mean, Sorry. there's a what? Soul managers just strikes me as super funny. I don't know why. Because I'm a super funny guy. Yeah, I mean everything he says. Panopticon, like there's this idea that Panopticon, like this this prison that can see into every cell or whatever that in that prison. I've never heard that word before. Panopticon. It's a metal band, also. But yeah, I don't think they ever truly existed. But it's this idea, and you'll you'll see it in some like sci-fi movies, but. The idea of like one guard tower that can see into every single cell in the prison. Oh. Um, so panoptic kind of cool. refers to that like pan everything optic see. Sure, yeah, yeah, neat. Um, see, there's a guy who knows his Greek. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, so th- those are your uh, leadership, and we'll, we'll talk about like the different maybe units that make up that stuff later. But j- those are just sort of general terms. But then the uh, towards the bottom of the pyramid is the the, the movers and shakers, the the doers of things. Um, we've got a pre-ad case, which is the um, basically battlefield specialists, uh, mm-hmm. which is to say. It's a sort of catch-all for everybody who doesn't fit into the other case a little bit. But we've got, you know, giant bone constructs and uh, war machines and other types of things that have a very specific use on the battle case. Nope. Specific use case on the battlefield. There we go. Um, The artisan cast are the builders, repairers, and artisans. And so generally, like in the book, we're talking about how, like, they raise cities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But on the battlefield, we're most concerned with those folks who are shaping bone and collecting bone uh, and doing all sorts of fun stuff with bones. 
um, making shadow puppets with bones and <laughs> pantomiming. And bones, a, thugs, and hard armies. Um, and bone thugs and hard Full armies. Full circle. Yeah. First arcer. Man, you look at Catacros. That's a hard, he's a hard dude. Because um, <laughs> he's just very, he's ripped is what I'm saying. Um, so uh, there's the Thorak cast, which what? That doesn't even, okay. Uh, that's basically your infantry, infantry troops, um, your sword and board dudes. And uh, the Morneal cast I don't know what that word comes from. Like, what's the origin of that one? Um, they are the retainers and servants, um, which we don't really see a lot of actually, like, represented, a lot of represented on the battlefield. I think it's probably some of what's-his-face's well, what's dudes. But mm-hmm. but we also, uh, they talk about how this is kind of a cool moment where they sometimes use the bird bones to make these, like, bird skeleton things. Mm. And one of the figures that's on Catacross's base is actually this like spy master who has all these little bone yeah, ravens he's or super cool. or grave grackles as I call them, oh. Um, oh. and uh, they just they fly around and like send messengers back and forth. So yeah, yeah. and there's a there's a they're on the the uh, the crawlers as well. Mm. So oh, I didn't know that. There's a there's this whole um, kind of defined system of the retainers having some of the souls and like being able to have some of this autonomy it's it's really interesting to me so they're, they're integral towards the actual informational distribution network okay important then that they have their own uh, structure there mm-hmm. and then below all this not mm-hmm. even on the pyramid anymore they're mm-hmm. under sub pyramid um is the para parha para cast and these similar are similar to pariah right oh sure mm-hmm. that makes sense uh they are the outcasts the, the less than exiles. chattel, the yeah. exiles. Tell me more. I want to know more. That's all I know. That, that no, no. It's um basic. I, as far as I understand, it, correct me if I'm wrong. But it, when we were talking about before, where if you, you can't move up in the system, but you can only move down. Yeah. If you've done so poorly, and you can do so poorly because you have autonomy, like you have, yeah. you you are left to your own devices. Often there are stakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you can fail and maybe fail dramatically. And if that's the case, um, you are knocked down quite a few pegs, maybe all the pegs, um, to this, so to this pegs. cast where, um, you are, I mean, as far as the bone reapers are concerned, nothing. Like you are, you're, you're not useful. You're not, you know, part of the, the structure, the chain mm-hmm. of command at, at all. Um, but do they still keep them around? That's what something I didn't quite understand. Like, how yeah, does that work? I, I feel well, like they threw this out there and then did not expand on it very much. Well, I'll, I'll read from the battle tome. A bone reaper who has been marked for extreme censure may be broken into his constituent parts and remade by the mortisons as one of the para. So they are definitely a thing that they make. Mm-hmm. Or, quote, shattered. That cast of the gash forsaken exiles forms the outcast of the Ossiarch world and are considered to be less than chattel by the upper echelons of their society. But they still exist. Mm. They are created, they are made, but we don't see them on the battlefield, but there's a really interesting um, possibility there for rebellion. Don't leave us hanging. Yeah, tell me more. What are your uh, possibilities? For uh, a legion of Osiarch bone reapers that are made up of these shattered, of these left behind. There's a really interesting possibility to me, for, mm-hmm. for me there. So, see, that's the thing. These are all fun. I like he, I like reading the first battle tomes about some of the, like mm-hmm. some of these armies. Mm-hmm. I want to read the second battle. I want to read the <laughs> second releases about a lot of this sure. stuff. Like I, this is I like the foundational information. Like yeah. like the first pass, the first wave of mm-hmm. this stuff. But what comes next for every single one of them? Like what, what's the yeah. next Bone well, Reaper book? What's the next 
I'm Deep super book. excited for the KO book. Sure. Right? Because the rumor has it, it's supposed to be coming out in yeah. February. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And like, that is just like, I'm super excited for I that. Mean, I'm not saying, but it might be enough to drag me in because I like, I was so excited about the background on those guys. Yeah. And but that, like, how they showed up on the table was just a, a super bummer. Well, and being able to fix that or just like illustrate it in a different way. Yeah. I mean, I got a 2,000-point army as well, and I just yeah. don't play because it, I mean, it doesn't be cool. work for the background, right? Right, right. I, run, I ran the Grunstock Gun Hauler Wing. Yeah. It's a freaking formation in the book, and, like, it just didn't work because it's too expensive and freaking blah, blah, blah. formation. So, freaking yeah. formation. It's just, you know, years and years from now, 10 years from now, what are the Bone Reapers like is, yeah. is what gets me excited about that. Um, and now we're moving on. All right, cool. Guys, we, we've alluded to what, what makes up these casts. We've talked about different units. I'm sure you guys have had your favorite units reading through this battle tome. I would love for you to tell me and no one else, just me, All right. your favorite uh, your favorite units. Uh, covering up the mic right now. Yeah. Uh, it's actually going to be... Seriously? Those are garbage. Uh, oh, rude. <laughs> are you uh, calling them para? I'm calling them para. Para uh, for the course. That's for all. me, I, I enjoyed the Gothazar Harvesters the most. I knew you were going to take it. That's uh, Paul Paul is like slumping his shoulders in resignation. So these are constructs. They they look cool as heck. Yeah, you know? they're probably my favorite looking uh, yep. unit. Yeah. Uh and so they go through and they uh it even talks about them embodying this duality of the bone reapers where they are a destructive force, they're killing, but they also create. Mm-hmm. So uh and they have, you know, they they'll put parts on their back. Uh, they have these. There's basically a, a, a bin on their back where they stack up the the pieces. They have these, you know, secondary and tertiary arms that are collecting things as they, you know, carve their way through the battlefield. Like it's just a really fun, really inventive figure. <laughs> you have a and, weird definition of the word fun. <laughs> I completely I mean, just, agree with him, though. Yeah, I mean, j- just uh, I really like something that uh, where clearly that let their imagination kind of run wild mm-hmm. and be like, what would be a cool thing to see. This would be a cool thing to see, mm-hmm. and I agree with them. <laughs> yeah, on the same page. Yeah. Uh, Paul, give me your second favorite. <laughs> well, I, I also really like the Mortec Crawler. Okay. Like just the background, the idea behind it. That it's basically this just huge catapult that has a centipede's worth of legs. Sure, that allows it to be a stable firing platform even while it's moving. Well, I'll tell you what I like about this as well uh, is that it it talks about the individual crew members. Uh, and how they have specialties and they've mm-hmm. been like formed for those specialties and they're performing these tasks, which like you can look at that model and say, these are not just undead, you know, mm-hmm. automatons. They are, they have like, you can just look at that figure and say, mm-hmm. this guy has free will. He's a spotter. He's up high. Yep. And, like it's, I, I love it. Like it, it communicates so much about the army. They've mm-hmm. done a really good job with it. Well, and the other thing is that, it it looks almost like something that the Grotz would make, right? It's got a freaking wheel on it. It's got a ton of like, it was like you know, if you it took a bunch of squigs and you tied them to a thing and make them move forward, but it has this like graceful elegance to it. And like you said, you can see every figure and what that figure is doing and how that figure is performing their duty on the miniature. Like this, I know duty. <laughs> I know that. Um, Catacross really tells the story of the general, but I feel like the Mortec Crawler really tells the story of the army. You can deduce what the whole army is supposed to be from this one miniature, as far as I'm concerned. It it, it doesn't seem coincidental that anything was placed there. There's a lot of thought put into the design of this. And it just looks super cool, as far as I'm concerned. So, Well, and there's been, 
not none, but like it, it's rare to have um, like a war machine in AOS. Like they don't make a mm-hmm. lot of war machines anymore. Again, not none, just not a lot of them. So it's it's cool to see another war machine getting created and like a, a unique creative uh, you know way mm-hmm. to create one. That's legit. Um, can I can I tell you guys my favorite one? I Only wish if you would. speak off mic. I think. I think I'm into the Necropolis Stalkers, and so what these dudes are are like the like they're like giant constructs, um, bigger than your average uh, bear. I mean, um, dude. Um, so uh, what they have is they've got four arms, like like the immortal Immortus Immortus Guard. So they're sort of a dual kit there. But um, these guys have um, basically they're the attack uh, giant constructs. They've got um, you know big giant blades, and they you know they're holding. Hold them in, in two of their arms. That's how big these blades are. But I think what's cool about them is the fact that um, they they got they're four headed to sort of represent the idea that they are yep. made up of a bunch of different souls. And I, I think we've alluded or we, we've we've talked generally about the idea that we're we're funneling souls into these creatures. But um, these folks really embodied the idea that we're we're mixing and matching. We're trying to optimize the soul composition of these folks. And not just the souls, but the body, right? Yeah, like, oh, because yeah, sure. it's creating this body. It's four arms, two legs. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't exist otherwise yeah. as far as we're aware. Um, but yeah, I, I think as a whole, it, it really sort of embodies this concept of, of the bone reapers ideas. Like you're, you're making this super form out of these raw materials. Sure. It, it's almost an example of a greater than the sum of its parts situation, right? You'd like to think so anyways. Sure. Um, and so, what we don't necessarily get from this battle tone, but I think we've gotten from an, another story that I'm going to talk about later, but like just the, the balance of what it takes to have a bunch of souls, mm-hmm. very capable, maybe very powerful souls, very um, just the idea that they are in, in perfect balance and being utilized in different ways, all in a singular form, but yeah. taking advantage of what they know. Yeah. Um, it, it's the beauty of sort of that art form of like combining not to overstate it, I guess that's maybe exaggerating a little bit, but the art form of, of combining these different components and making something better out of it. And so they are weapon masters. They are a sight to be seen on the battlefield and they can utilize different um, tactics and styles and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it really, in a way, kind of reminded me of the old Warhammer fantasy dryad situation where they can take different forms and have yep, different, different benefits aspects, that's sure. not that it I'm, they've, they've done it a few other times for different models i think since then but i, mm-hmm. I was always a woodwell player so that always struck with me so it's i mean in no way related but the end result is the same that they have different um you know specialties and they can they can take different um styles which mm-hmm. i think is really legit and i like i said it 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 is no better it's not it, it's exemplified in no better way than it with these stalkers that mm-hmm. that soul combining that joining and i think it's really 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 cool all right so those are some of the units um we spent a lot of time talking about the special characters that the big ones uh in the army but not quite all of them um nagash can be taken in this army mm-hmm. um well arcane the black can also can be taken um as well uh and then obviously catacross we've sort of gushed about um but there is a couple more as well so anybody want to talk about some of the other special characters just, just real quick just a real quick uh, so we have arch xantos who is, um, he is a mounted character. And he is what I alluded to before. He is the one general that Catacross was like, you're good enough for me to keep whole. And gosh darn it, people like you. Exactly. (laughs) So he is basically the second in command, as it were, of the army. Um, He sends him out to do all these things on his own. Uh, and he has not failed, obviously, right? Like, he hasn't been broken down to his constituent parts. So, he is the, you know, the loyal 
left hand, right hand of Catacross. Mm-hmm. Um, which let's, let's not forget. I mean, like we'll gloss over the fact that he's kind of the xenophobic anti-life. Um, well, like he wants to kill all the living in Shyish. I mean, that I mean that's fine. It's it's just a minor. Uh, we won't hold it against him. So he's from Shyish, right? And like he was there in his afterlife, and then these human tribes come in, and he's just like. This, this is our realm. This is our place, right? And they come in and they mess everything up. So it, it is more of this disorder, right? Like, there is a way that things work. And to him, this is a disorder of what's going on. And so it is not necessarily that they are different. It is that they are not the same, right? He says the realm of the dead should be for the dead, which is... I think actually a really interesting perspective for a place where you can live in eternity. Um, so the, the thing about his character that strikes me as interesting is actually that he takes this idea that the realm of the dead is for the dead, but then flips it on his head and says, but I can tell you how to live that death, right? That's where he becomes this like kind of terrible character where he's willing to do anything to maintain the realm of death. Even if it makes, even if it means that he's ruining other people's afterlives for that purpose. Yeah. Um, it talks about him in his mortal life as an assassin mortician. Which yeah. Is a weird duality. Yeah. What, what, what's a mortician in this situation? Like he's a, like a, like a, so he funeral has, home guy. Like, what? well, he has some <laughs> responsibility for like preparing, the, the dead okay. for their transition. Oh, and he, and he buries like the So he'd the kill him. He, could, yeah. he, he, he would, you know, he'd find his living target, kill it, kill that target. Uh, but then he would have some obligation where he'd like, okay, I'm going to provide this uh, now dead target of my assassination with a, uh, a dignified burial, you know, so like it'd be a lot of hard labor and he would sew up the body, you know, sew up the wounds that it had received and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it was this, it was this cool reverence for like, okay, like I've, I've killed you, but I still have this respect for you. And he's, he's actually ends up, uh, he's become so extreme that he's lost this, which I was a little bummed out when I got to that last paragraph. I was like, this guy was more interesting when he had that, that, mm-hmm. uh, duality pulling him in two different yeah. directions. So. Well, and it makes it, didn't he have, he had like two focuses of his, of his personality mm-hmm. and he lost the one and the other one came ha- like yep. became hypersensitive. Like yep. he became hyper focused on. Um, there's not enough room for two uh, nope. interests. Yeah. Well, oh. the the interesting thing is that Nagash trusts Catacros, right, to lead these OCR Bone Reapers. Me too. <laughs> but Catacros trusted this guy, right, this Arch Cavalos Xantos, to lead his armies for him. But Nagash is like, I'm noping out of there, right? No, I only can have Catacros. He's my only guy. So Nagash could have had all of the Bone Reapers this entire time, but instead he's chosen to bury them because the one guy that he thought was the right guy wasn't there. Hmm. But then we move on to Vok Mortarian. Um, the master of the Bone Tithe. Uh, you've got a Bone Tithe. You've got all these bones coming in. you got all the bones coming out. You've got uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to keep track of all this? You need to. You need somebody to head up this department and so you do you've got this Volkmordian. um so what he does is he he's almost in a sense outside the like the the hierarchy i mean he's he's still part of it but like he has special dispensation from nagash like um to do his thing 
Um, and so he basically runs, runs the show. Like he can't be everywhere. Obviously he mm-hmm. sends the bone reapers out as sort of his emissaries to like do the collecting and stuff like that. But like he scores out himself. He's okay. the emissary. Every that goes, single time. I think that's basically it. I mean, he just makes people coughing it up. Oh, you just want you how long were you holding on to that one you, a little bit a little bit you monster jesus um but yeah so he's he's walking around he's got a big old uh like coffin on his or like yeah coffin on his back why why is that necessary dude just set it down like you don't have to hold that thing um but uh he's in charge of the bone tithe uh he's also the mate he's also the special character that comes in the feast of bone set so for a stretch of time there uh he like in the sub in the city of of Shyish, he had he had a he was button heads against a bunch of ogres. Um, but that's a different book, and we don't have to talk about it here. So the one thing I noticed about this guy that I appreciated, um, dating all the way back to, I think it really came to the fore during the the end times. Um, it felt like the first place that I really saw death aligned in opposition to Nurgle specifically. Death being this stagnation, everything is become like this total steady state versus Nurgle, which is this constant cycle. So you have this tithe master, right? Like who's keeping, keeping careful accounts of all that mm-hmm. goes. Well, Nurgle has the spoil pox scrivener who yeah. like keep tracks of the diseases and how many people have did it. Like that's, that's been something that's kind of been carried along in Nurgle. So that, that is again, like two sides of the same coin uh, that we saw earlier, but this time it's chaos and death. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I noticed that sort of relationship there. Yeah, and it, it's it's very rare to see the non-order factions sort of ar- not not arrayed against each other, but like compared and contrasted against each other. And right. so, like um, any example of that, I think is is fun to see. And like there sh- there should be plenty of them. It, there's no reason why they can't be um, mm-hmm. contrasted against each other. Yeah. Um. So handful a handful of special characters if, if you're going to consider arcan and nagash part of that um so it's it's nice to see it's it's nice to add these sort of specific um perspectives isn't the word but um sort of touch touchstones to the the army that we're dealing with um in an army that should be chock full of you know different personalities because again in death despite being in death this is not a mindless you know uh, faceless uh, army so I imagine we'll see we'll see more in, in the future as well. Speaking of uniqueness, it, it turns out um, like any good new army, it has its it has its fair share of sub factions as well so with you know their own unique traits and uh, ways of doing business. Uh, did you guys have any uh, favorite sub factions? You better, <laughs> Lord help me. I did. I'm gonna collect a tithe from you of cool sub factions. So I I really like the Null Myriad. Um, and for me, I, again, a, a term that I just may not have been paying attention to, uh, but uh, the perimeter inimical. This might have been the first time I've seen it. I can't yep, remember. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Paul talks about them earlier and got me nervous because I thought he was going to say too much about <laughs> them. But uh, this was the Legion that was created and uh, they're one of the first created and they had, it was this uh, quirk of, of how they were um how they're created that they had this resistance to magic and it meant that they were really good for, uh, for existing on the very edge of the realm. And, uh, in most realms, that's where the chaotic energy is at ever since the, uh, necroquake and the cre- uh, creation of the black pyramid, uh, and the, uh, Nadir of Shyish, like that's kind of reversed that for, for them. Um, but, uh, this idea that he needed somebody to, 
protect the uh, the edges of his realm while this endless legion of Ar- Archon, the Blacks, uh, Death Rattle Warrior is carrying a single grand, uh, a single grain of, of grave sand back uh, to form the Black Pyramid. Um, and it talked about them, you know, being resistant to these surges and these crazy, like primordial monsters that existed at the edge. Like it was, it was a. So I, I'm picking these guys because they they informed us a little bit more about the existence of you know like what the realms look like. Um, we learned a little bit about it uh, in the Pantheon short story. Um, but ever since the Nadir of Shyish was created, all of a sudden it's not so chaotic at the realm of at the edge of the realm of Shyish. And so now now he's got oh well now I've got a legion that is specifically made to exist at this perimeter inimical, which exists in all these other realms, I can deploy them there. Mm-hmm. They can exist and fight in that area where other, um, other armies are going to have a lot of difficulty. I can start to control the edges of these other realms. And if I can do that, then I can disrupt the flow of that magic, which is fundamental to that realm. So these, these feel like these feel like, uh, it feels like a sub faction that is interesting because it tells us a little bit more about the, the uh age of sigmar as a whole and it it feels really uh pivotal like they could play this role that is could you know drastically change um things if you can somehow disrupt the flow of magic in another realm like that mm-hmm. that's a that's a big yeah they're ever, important yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um so. correct me if i'm wrong like are they the fact that they were able to resist the magic is is it because they were made from some of the skeletons that were carrying the grave yep. sand itself yep, right exactly so like, like because of that so I, I like the idea that like we're hearkening back to that previous lore blurb from previous, you know, stories or, you know, books or things like that. And we're, we're using it. We're moving it. This is a prime example of this thing existed and now I'm moving forward and not, and I'm making a new thing out of it. Like mm-hmm. you don't get that all the time um, from the stories mm-hmm. that we read. And so I, I would love to see more examples of that, mm-hmm. of a thing and then having it evolve into the next thing, which is yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a progression of the story of two plans that were happening at the same time with what happens when the plans are done. Mm-hmm. Right, like, because the Nadir is done, so now he's doing this. And they also talked about how Archon took the necromancers that were helping him to make this happen and pulled them apart and made them into the soul masons and the soul reapers of his um, bone reapers. Because Archon has his own uh, legion of Osiarch bone reapers that he is allowed to command because he gave the skeletons from the the Nadir of Shayesh to the Osiarch bone reapers. And then they're like, oh, well, you gave us these guys, which are super cool, and they can resist magic. Well, we'll just give you your own Legion, right? So he has his own Legion that he can run around with. So that's, that's a cool, just like three, three-way three story hook that blends together and makes a nice narrative and moves the story forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that's really interesting about that is that every other time that we've talked about the Edge of the Realm, it's basically been talked about as... It's so saturated with magic that nothing can live there. But in here, it's not so saturated with magic that nothing can live there. Obviously, the Osiarch Bone Reapers are there. Obviously, the the skeletons are going back and forth. But there are things that the Osiarchs need to defend the skeletons against. There are other life forms that exist in this periphery of the realms, which is a new fact right that we have about the realm which is super interesting to me because what would magic what would beings that can exist in total saturation of magic Mm. be 
Mm-hmm. Because even Zinch can't exist there because he, you know, you have to have some mind. So what are these primordial things? That's super interesting. Intimidating so, at the very least, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, then in that case, I'm going to tell you about the Ivory Host. Um, here's the deal. I feel like we've been spending a lot of time in Shyish in this book. Um, but let's branch out. Let's, well, no, that'd be more like life. Let's teeth out. That doesn't make any sense. Um, let's go expand our, our own trail. Yeah, let's yeah. expand our horizons into Gur. So um, I, we sort of alluded to it early in the episode that um, now that uh, our bone bone reapers are, they're a, they're a well-oiled machine right now. They're, they're collecting bones in Shyish. Um, Shyish, for the most part, is being overtaken by Nagash. Um, we're, we're not at a point where Nagash then has his sights on other realms. And so he sends this ivory host um, out to the realm of Gur. And so they have, you know, they, they form a beachhead. They actually have a bunch of ships. And so they're sailing seas left and right. And what they do is they're going through and, and taking down not only civilizations, but then also the large like beasts, the large predators that exist in these, in this realm. Um, and, Taking, you know, de- defeating the beast, but then also clearing sort of the the area around the beast so that they can sort of tame that section of the wilds and, and you know remake it in the Shaiyan image. While they're taking down these these monstrous beasts and taking their tusks and bones and teeth and et cetera, et cetera, they're obviously repurposing that bone as they are wont to do back into themselves and re, re um, replenishing their forces or creating new um, forces. Uh, which which would make sense. That's what that's where they do everywhere everywhere else. They actually make it a point to call it the fact that these these folks are, despite being in the realm of beasts, are actually pretty pristine and pretty clean and pretty and pretty artistic. Mm. Um, they have a certain level of of civilization about them that maybe stands out amongst all the other um, sub factions as well. They they are very uh, a civilized bunch bunch bringing sort of civilization to the realm of beasts. However. Uh, the most interesting part, um, if that was boring, let me catch your attention here, um, is the fact that now that they're bringing in these bestial bones into themselves and taking it up, taking them into, into their, you know, their physical structure, um, it turns out that things aren't as civilized as, as you might expect. And the very, like, raw, um, gurian, I guess is the word, uh, magic or nature of these bones is starting to affect the, um, the temperament um, and personalities of these bone reapers and actually um, if if things get too hot and heavy or if like their bones end up getting broken and like the essence gets released from inside them um, things go hog wild and I literally mean hog wild and that like they go wild like beasts um, and they become completely savage and wild and sort of out of control um, due to the the gurian nature of, of the bones that they've been sort of shaping into their bodies um, so it's a very uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation um, which, I mean, how cool is that? Obviously, that, that's super neat. And I like how they made it a point to um, incorporate some realm essence into these uh, this force. All sure. the other ones, for the most part, generally are, are Shaiyashin, well, or, or, or at least general. Um, I mean, you have the um, Crematorians, which has mm-hmm. this actually element to them. But, yeah. uh, but I appreciate that, you know, so we've seen a lot of um, battle tomes that were like, here's what this... And I like this, but uh, here's what this faction looks like if it is existing in this realm. And here's what it looks like if it's existing in this realm. Uh, and they did some of that with this. Like, here's what a, a Gur Legion would look like. But they didn't feel obliged to, like, okay, I guess we're going to check off one Every through. single box, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, and that, that is a cool way. Like, I, I like that they explore different ways to make them unique rather than just be like... This is the realm of metal one, you know, yeah. out, so. of, out of out of sort of some sort of obligation. Sure. Instead, it's it's a they found a cool idea and they stuck with the, the yep. cool idea. So I'm into it. 
I want to see more of it, but not um, every box of it. I like the uh, the Petrifex Elite. Um, they were underground for the vast majority of this time, so they basically turned to stone. Their bone is just super hard, but they're called the Archaeosian, um, which is a super cool name to begin with. But the interesting thing to me isn't necessarily the that background, it is that they basically have become a cult, whereas everything is determined by an individuality and... They're able to make their own decisions. They are led by uh, one called the Grand Necromystic. And they eschew individuality to the point where no one has a name. They're all existing basically uh, by titles. Yeah. And it just it, it's just kind of cool because it, to me, it, it reminds me of the, the mortuary cult from the old world. Right, like they basically have this new version of this cult, where they are going around spreading death, mm. um, and they're destroyed but recreated, as it, almost as if this is undying legion. Right, like so, it it just seems super cool to me, um, because yeah, sure, and they're they're made of stone. Like that's yeah. cool. They're literally cool. like petrified bone. I'm into them. Yeah, they uh they ambush people by standing still. And people think they're statues, they're statues and then they're like, Bruh. yeah, surprise. Yeah. Mother trucker. Um, uh, really cool. And very, you know, similar, not similar, but like harkens back to like Chum King statues kind of a little bit. Like literally. It's very if, much if, like Ushabdi. Yeah. yeah if, they're, if they're constructs and they're statues and then, you know, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then they come to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm down. I'm here for that. Uh, cool. Any other thoughts on subfactions or we can offer any other general thoughts about the book? Um, no, well, I will say, uh, one sub faction that had just like a, a comment that inter- interested me was the crematorians. It's this idea of this, uh, legion that has this burning within them and they're, they're like, if they don't get there fast enough, they're going to end up burning up. And they, uh, they have this vengeance where if they are like, they, they're embodying Nagash's idea of like, he hates life so much that, you know, uh, they'll lash out in death slash second death slash mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but the leader of that legion has this individuality enough where as they're coming to places, he says like, hold on, like there's this library here, this, you know, uh, repository of knowledge. I, I want to kind of, before you burn this down, I'm going to read all the stuff in here real quick, see if I can find a cure for the curse for my legion. Uh, and it talks about like he, he has something approaching a spark of hope inside him. And I thought that was a really fun mm-hmm. uh, idea. I, I liked it. I liked it for that, and I liked it for the the what it provides you as somebody that might be making their own uh, army of like here's here's like a sort of uncharacteristic emotion or defining characteristic of a leader of one of these uh, Bone Reaper armies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I that going back to one of the things I like most about this army as a whole is the fact that they have individuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that personified. Well, how rare well, is it that like Nagash gives a, a group of people something and they're like, no, I don't want this. Like, I don't want yeah. like, please like I, mm-hmm. and they're trying to find literally trying to find a way to get away from it. Um, yeah. It's rare. Well, and like his story, right? Like to me, I want to read about that. Like I would love to have a story about him mm-hmm. and his life because the, the way that these guys are constructed allows them to be individuals and have individual wants and needs, but yet against this like impending doom that they still have to be excellent at what they are called to do. But if they are excellent at what they are called to do, they can continue to have as many like personal quirks as they want to, 
because they are made up of all these different people, right? Like, they're like, I'm going to take this thing from this thing, and this thing from this thing, and this thing from this thing, and then I'll make the perfect warrior. Like, that never works perfectly, right? There's going to be this thing from that guy that you were like, oh, I, I thought that was part of here, but actually it's it's over here, right? And this story illustrates something like, well, nobody intended for him to have this, like, thirst for knowledge, mm. right? That's not what was intended when they built this guy. So flaws make in, make it into the construction of these guys. But they only have one chance. You fail once and you're gone. If you had one, one shot. opportunity, yeah. Yeah. Um, you but <laughs> Right on. Um, the, the interesting thing to me, too, is that um, we haven't really talked about it that much. We've kind of touched on it, but they have these crystals, these gems that are inside of them that are really giving them their this animating force. Right? You really locked onto this a lot more than I did. Like I don't even remember the crystal yeah. at all. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I don't remember much. The only reason the I locked onto it was because they made a point of saying, the crematorians actually specifically, I think, say that when they're... they're their rank and file burn up, the crystals remain. And the rest of them gather these crystals, and these crystals allow the essence of the soldier to be remade. So if you haven't failed, you can gather up these crystals, even if the body is destroyed, and go remake another body and remake that soldier, that warrior, Mm. into what they were before. And to me, that's a really interesting facet um uh, for an uh, age of sigmar book to have so um it is just kind of like a i don't know off topic idea but everybody's been calling these guys death cast and to me they don't really read as death cast they don't seem to have the same motivation same idea um but what they do seem to be for me is this seems to be an aos version of death space marines where instead of having gene seed, you've got these gems, and you have these personalities that were created and tailored to make them into these ultimate killing machines. And once the body is destroyed, you can harvest what is the essence of them and remake it again. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where one of the legions is just called the 10,000, I think. And they just constantly remake them, but it's the same 10,000. And you're always going to fight the 10,000 and they're just going to always keep coming back. And I think that's where probably these messenger birds, etc., like allows that to function in a more fat, uh, more complicated network, right? Like you don't have to actually walk all that way. You send the birds, you send like whatever, the travel. Um, so that makes for a really interesting story and hook for me. Sure, sure. Um, I get you. Phylactery gems. Yes. I had to look them up. Um, very cool. Um, any other points of interest before talk about black library examples? All right, well, here we go. Um, this is a very new army. It's tricky to find good examples of black library books that someone could read if they wanted to find out more about the OCR Bone Reapers. There's an obvious answer that I'm going to save for last, but I'm going to ask you guys, or, or you can bring it up too, um, if there are any books that we've read or that you've read uh, in the black library series that you would recommend reading for folks who have a passing interest in the OCR Bone Reapers. Uh, so basically there's not, like you said, there's not a lot out there. Um, if you want to get some of the, uh, so both the Gash and Arkan the Black are 
are elements of this. You know, they exist in this book. They have, they can be in here with the relevant keywords or whatever. Mm. Um, a good book that talks about the interaction between those two about this idea of uh, Nagash having these long-standing plans and uh, how he exists in multiple places at once is Soul Wars, mm-hmm. um, a, a book that we tried to cover. And, and, uh, third time was not the charm. Um, and but, one of my favorite, like, like AOS books, yeah, which is such yeah. a shame. Yep. One of my favorite characters. Anyway. Yep, totally agree. Um, but that, that is, that is I'd, I'd call it a background book if you wanted to kind of bulk out your, your background on this faction. Sure. All right, well then, get ready for my sweet uh, suggestions. Cause I, it's I, almost I, like we saved it for I you. Calm Tim's on it. <laughs> um, along the same lines uh, to what Davey's saying in terms of getting some background on death and Nagash as a whole. Um, uh, man, Josh Reynolds does a really good job here. So he wrote Sores, but then he also wrote um, the the treatise on Nagash. Literally, the title of the book: Nagash, Undying King. And I think that's another example of getting some perspective on. Um, how Nagash operates less about like sort of his big, big plans, but maybe how he interacts with his Mortarks. And I would sure. like to think that maybe totally. it maybe would inform some of the re- relationship between possibly between him and, and, and it, it catches well. him at one of his low points, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the book he's at is one of his, one of his low points as, as an existence. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's at what, isn't it age of chaos where he's um, yep. like, he's, he's at a, Discorporated arcans yep. chopped in the once. Yep, yeah, exactly. Some, but uh, the obvious answer, folks, that we've been him and hot about is is the um, the tie a tie of bone by uh, Michael R. Fletcher is a short story. So sorry, you're just going to get a little tidbit here. Um, but it came out relatively recently uh, at the time of this recording. Um, from uh, it's actually a, a chaos lord, but it's it's him going up against um, some Asiak bone reapers and. Um, Having just read it myself, uh, I, I, it's pretty interesting. It, it's a nice little taste. Um, and if you want to hear us talk more about that, uh, there is a uh, Pocket Realms episode on it. But um, I'm sure you, I'm sure you folks already know about that. Uh, um, but check it out uh, if you want to read more about the the Bone Reapers. Some cool bone daddies. All right, let's get to our listener questions because, uh, man, I'm sure our list, the, the folks who've asked these questions are probably waiting with bated breath to see if we if we ask their questions. And surprise, we, we will. Um, all right, uh, if you want to get a question on the show, you can join our Discord channel and just be paying attention uh, unannounced when I randomly ask for questions for uh, recording. When he demands that you dance for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm basically, you have to spend all your time in there just waiting ever so patiently for me to put the call out for questions. Um, and these folks have. Uh, good job. You guys win. Um, so it, first question from <laughs> Koros, who's Scarbrand's daddy or something. I forget how, what his <laughs> name is. Um, he wants to know, what does Nagash intend to do with a disciplined force like that in the greater scheme of AOS? Do you have any thoughts? I think we maybe answered it a little bit earlier, but I'll see if we uh, remain consistent. So it feels like, I mean, Nagash is somebody, again, and this this comes up somewhat in Soul Wars, um, where he he is a god. He is incredibly powerful, but he has to split his consciousness in so many places. Uh, and so it's incredibly valuable to him to have an autonomous elite legion that can operate and achieve his goals without him having to stand and look over their shoulder all the time. Uh, as so, much as he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. As much as he probably still will. Uh, I mean, they talk about, uh, he has the Morgast Archai who are these, uh, guardians, 
that defend leaders in this, but also keep an eye on them. So if they start getting a little treacherous, yeah. then they uh, then they bite the bullet. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think that's this is this is force that he can set and forget. Mm-hmm. Like let them let them go do their thing, uh, and he can trust that they're going to accomplish his objectives without him having to provide what I assume is like already fairly spread thin for him to focus on all these different things. Sure. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that they provide is a stable, non-destroying force. Like, they're not going to fall apart, right? Once they're created, they have their own self-sustaining force. And not only do they have their own self-sustaining force, but they just start building massive fortresses and necropolises. Like, they're going to take over whatever is there. And if you don't tell them they're just going to make it a base of power that rivals anything you can imagine, right? And then just continue to expand their influence. I mean, it it basically would be like if you're playing World of Warcraft, or and not World of Warcraft, and I am. Warcraft, <laughs> Warcraft 3 or Warcraft 2, right? Like, you just, you set it to go build and mine gold, and then you come back eight hours later and like, oh, look at all this gold that I have. Like, it's very much like what it is like for him to be able to be like, go fix that. 150 years later hey you fix it great oh you got all this stuff for me cool all right i'll go do something else mm. right it's a you're not playing a very capable opponent if you can come back eight <laughs> eight, eight hours, hours later <laughs> and you're just mining gold um no no i get it um these these folks are not only the conquerors but they're the builders they're they're cre- like like night is much very much a destructive force you're not going to get anything like substantial out of the night haunt mm. um whereas these folks are gonna they're gonna you know expand they're going to create the empire that nagash so sorely wants um he's not just trying to destroy other civilizations but he wants to create his own and so like this is the mechanism by which he will do so it's my take um tomb king tristan oh sad um does it because these aren't tomb kings is what i'm saying um does it make mention (laughs) of the rebels in the text um you notice that on the death chart um he's talking about I think, the, the shattered the, yeah the para um mm-hmm. yeah so i think we covered them a little bit or what what was in the book i think we, we chatted about um but he also wants to know are there any juicy bits about lower level characters in the book honestly the the scribes and the attendants and the, the messengers are pretty cool yeah yeah well and yeah and those, those as well but um like the, the, the attendants mm-hmm. and their ilk yeah uh, for uh catacros um i think are are kind of glossed over but they are referenced that like there are these people who survey mm. supporting and supplemental role uh, to the army well and just imagine because they are self such a self-sustaining force what if there was a force that was assigned to do something before catacross was killed what if and never got recalled mm. right like there literally could be an entire civilization of them somewhere mm. that just got forgotten sure. living on their own and after 10,000 years of autonomy what does that look like sure do they actually that's a great idea for an army right or i mean or, or a story but um like mm-hmm. yeah like but do, do you i mean like do they what forget? Bones, like do you yeah. remember like what who nagash even is like, are you still collecting bones what bones are you collecting how have they changed who you are mm-hmm. right like that's true yeah. Um, he's got other questions. Uh, with the co- with the combination of souls, are there multiple voices in their heads? I, mean, I think for some, maybe not, maybe even all. I don't know, depending how many souls there are um, of the Bone Reapers. That that often does happen, or like a different soul may take priority over a um, or a different component of a soul. Mm-hmm. Maybe the like the the 
more forceful component of a, of a given like individual and that will sort of take over or um, maybe you'll just have that eternal screaming in your head for the eternity <laughs> uh for some of that actually go ahead and read um that uh a tie the bone that i mentioned that short story because it does touch on that concept i'm um, for sure and then uh should forces like the petrifax elite be considered region locked um, okay. Do they mention forces that began in one realm traveling to another? I think a more example of that would be the ivory, um, ivory host. But they did talk about that as well with Davy's favorite, where they they're now the force that can go into oh. that edge of the realm. Sure. Right? Yeah, I I get the sense on these where they like consider these legions to have specialties, and they're willing to send them out to wherever that specialty is most needed. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. I would not feel if you have a legion that you really like but you want it to exist in a different uh, realm or something like that. I think your I think your all systems go. Yeah. Well, and these are, these are designed to be conquering forces. So they're yep. going to, they're going to go out. Uh, never dead. Ned. He asks, uh, are the Reapers more an answer to Stormcast or are they in the end, Nagash's plan to fight chaos? I don't think we could call them an answer to Stormcast because they're created before Stormcast were created. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, I mean, before reading this battle tome, I would have said, yes, they are. That's, mm. that's exactly what they are. But, uh, yeah, turns out no. Yet, and then in the end, Nagash's plan to fight chaos. I mean, they are part of his plan to fight chaos. If Catacross is going into the All Gates, yeah, literally right? going like, to to their front door and knocking on. Yeah, but I don't know if they were created for that end, or you know, well, I, they were created before he really they, knew he needed to fight chaos. Well, yeah. And and they really are kind of the personification of Nagash, where they are this undying legion that does not require an animating force like the Death Rattle, right? Or, you know, um, this emotion to carry them forward, like the Nighthaunt. The Nighthaunt are very much about, like, the the uh, their souls and revenge and all this kind of stuff, right? Like, that's not what they are. And they're not about just this madness of crazed living that the... the um, flesh-eater courts. Flesh-eater courts are, right? Mm. They, they really are the embodiment of his will, mm. right? So... Like, they'll get things done. Yeah, so I don't know that I would say their answer... I don't think they're the answer to Stormcast, nor do I necessarily think they're the plan to fight Chaos specifically. I just had a quick random thought. So, there were Ossiarch Bone Reapers that lived while Nagash was dead Mm. and lived through that and lived forward, right? Like, that's a super interesting concept because the only other servants of death that we know are the Mortarks. The Mortarks have lived that entire time, but these are individuals who have lived to see the death of their god and rebirth. So that's a really interesting, fascinating concept. Hmm. And the death of their Mortark and a rebirth. They're pretty loyal to like stick through all that. That's yeah. Sure. Uh, our boy Josh, Fractal Rain. Uh, you can find more of him on the Dogs of War podcast. He wants to know uh, how long have the Osiarch Bone Reapers been around? Since like the age of myth. Since the age of myth. For time immemorial. Thanks um, for the softball, Josh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, you knew what you were doing. It wasn't an accident. All right. Let's let's wrap it up with a sweet review, or not sweet. I don't know. Maybe it's anti-sweet. Um, tell me what you thought about this here book. Uh, so I enjoyed reading about a new faction. I loved having a uh, death faction that had autonomy. Um, I we talked about this idea that like it helped us enjoy the figures more. I mean, I guess you have um, flesh eater courts have their own autonomy. I'm just not super hot on those figures. So like. This this was a the first death faction in a while that I could picture you know being sort of invested in and so I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Uh, my downside was that this l- read a little bit too much like a history book to me. Uh, it read I, I remember getting 
fantasy uh, army books and feeling like, okay, like I, because I'm the way I am, I'm going to read this cover to cover. Uh, but sometimes you get in there and like, here's, here's the history lesson. And you know, like, I'm just going to chug my way through this. And it felt like that a couple of times here. Yeah. Um, that's not to say there weren't enjoyable elements mm-hmm. to it, but uh, that's where I ended up. Yeah. So. I'm, I remember reading fantasy battle tomes and you're like, oh, I'm reading about what I kind of already know. Sure. I'm looking yeah. for those three paragraphs that are new and yeah. interesting. Yeah. Right. And there's a little bit that here because we already know a lot about the uh, the age of myth and age of chaos. And there was some mm-hmm. new stuff in there, so I appreciate that. And uh, yeah. because of the new stuff in there, I'm going to give it um, six and a half out of nine books of Nagash. Nice. Yes. Um, I, I did enjoy it as well. It wasn't my favorite battle tome. Um, but I, I did enjoy the story of Catacros. It was a cool story. Sure. I would have loved to have read it as a black library novel because that seems like tailor-made uh living like life on death like there's so much there and like what i really want to know is i want to have more exploration of the underworlds now and there there was some exploration of that in the battle tome but the battle tome is not really the place to really do a deep dive into what it means to live in the un in these underworlds, what it means to um, conquer other underworlds. So that seems like a very interesting topic to me. Uh, But as Davey said, I do have a much greater appreciation for the force itself um, after reading all the background. But the, the main thing that I am going to take away from the battle tome has nothing to do with the words has to do with those pictures and that gorgeous terrain, oh, the terrain that's just sitting in there that I just I want to see on the tabletop and I'm never going to see on the tabletop and it just drives me crazy. So, <laughs> I mean, for better or for worse, like that's the thing that really just like encapsulated the army to me when they're talking about the soul masons building up these civilizations and you see the pictures of those gorgeous fortifications and walls and towers. It just it sold the concept to me so much. Um, and according to Facebook, that's not going to be a product that they're releasing. It's not going to be a thing. And it's just, oh, so cool. So cool. Bummer. Um, from my perspective, honestly, man, whenever I'm reading a book that I'm not super stoked on, having these conversations makes me like it so much more. So honestly, anybody who reads uh, Battle Tome, who's listening, uh, I recommend you start a podcast to review battles <laughs> and then all of a sudden you'll start enjoying them a lot more because no, it just sus- tugs out all sorts of stuff that I hadn't really noticed. Um, I think I wasn't s- super stoked on it, mainly for the reasons that David brings out and that it did re- read sort of just like as a history lesson a lot of times. Um, Catagross is cool in like a sort of small chunks, but I feel like a lot of this book was dedicated to his story, which like Paul said, I'm going to take both of what you guys said, I think it would very much lend itself to a Black Library novel unless um, the way it just sort of was written in this battle tome. Picture this, Catacross Trilogy, first book about his life, second book about his undeath but not in the service of Nagath. Third third book, he becomes a mortar and he starts kicking butt and knocks down the door uh, to the eight points. I would read that trilogy. In fact, I think I just wrote that trilogy. Yeah. Um, so Step aside, Josh Reynolds. Watch out. No, it's Josh Reynolds stepped aside a long time ago. Um Friend of the show. Oh. Friend of the show. Good friend. My best friend. Um, so that wasn't doing it for me, but it, I think maybe I wasn't tugging out or, or focusing on the maybe the good parts as much as I should have. Um, and that there is, we, we did discover a handful of stuff. There was enough um, discovery being done in this book or filling in holes 
um, in terms of stuff that we had experienced before, but maybe didn't know the whole story. I love that. I love having, um, you know, bits of the map sort of filled in, whether it's a narrative map or an actual map. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I don't know if I'll, if I'll cut out what I said before, so I'll say it again here, but I, I like what this book sort of offers to the future. Like this is a good foundational book and hopefully it will, uh, make it a point where we can build off it. And I think this is a great starting point for what can be a pretty expansive and, um, very interesting, uh, army, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the line. So I, I think it's a good place to start. Um, and I look forward to see what they're able to do with the army in the future. That about sums it up. Um, all right, cool. Do you guys have any other thoughts? Negative. Negatory. All right, well, then here it goes. It's time for our reforging, but Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at The Mortal Realms. Davey, where can they find you? You be at red underscore Zeke or for the what the hex cast at WTHcast. Awesome. Paul Worth, where can they find you? At PJShard. And I am at Dos Asos. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Did you see our, our new fourth podcast member? I, I Speaking of new important oh, things yeah. in people's lives. I mean, that's more important than mine. <laughs> I just know you're never going to I was going to say, you're so lucky you found me. <laughs> you're allies through the... F- nope, I needed to think a special one for this. You're allies <laughs> through the... What are those streets called? Do they call them something special? The Bone Streets? At www.themortalrealms.com. No, you dummy. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Have fun with that one.